God, you're good. We can come to you and sing. The one who's rescued our soul, the one, the one that's given us life. What we've never deserved, what we haven't proven ourselves as deserving, but you so freely gave us anyway. We love you. We, we praise you. We know that you're good. And I know that whatever we're walking in here with is the thing that helps us get to the next season. The thing that's the hardest to walk through right now is the thing that gets us to the next season. So I don't know what that looks like, but what I do know is that you never let us down. Whether it's this side or in heaven, we know that your plan will be complete and that that you're good. And so we love you and, and we praise you and everybody in this place said,
Lord, your word says that I will extol you, my God, my King, and I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Oh, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. God, we just come before you and we extol you. We, we lift you up. We make you the priority. And uh, God, we just uh, are so thankful that because of Jesus Christ, that you are the king of our hearts. You are the king of our lives and that you are reigning and that you are on the move. And so God, as we move on I, in this service, I just pray that we would uh, just encounter you in a, in, a, in a new way. God, as we grow this morning, as Pastor Al brings your word, God, that we would just uh, connect with you in a way that we haven't connected before. God, we don't have to wait for a new year to experience new things. This morning, I pray that you would just move. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Would you bring people closer? Would you bring people closer to the Savior, to Jesus Christ? And so, God, we love you, and we make you the priority, and uh, just pray that you move. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Good morning, church. Make sure you say hello to those around you, and make sure you tell them what your favorite Christmas cookie was. So I am about as plain Jane as can be. I love straight up chocolate chip cookies. Anybody in the house just straight up? Okay, come on now. It's all good. But guys, we are, uh, we're just thankful to, to celebrate Christmas with you just a couple days ago and to know that what a, what a joy uh, it has been to just do life with you this year. And if you're new with us, just know we're glad, we're, we're glad you're here and just glad to invite you into this family. And uh, just one thing I want to highlight as we, uh, as we move on is that 2019, it's a new year. It's coming quick. My encouragement to you all is, is make goals, you know, set, set resolutions. Those are wonderful. But you don't have to wait until Tuesday to do those things. You don't have to wait till you know, Tuesday at 12, you know, 01. You can just, you can do those things now. And so as you leave, there's a couple things we want to resource you. Uh, if, as you leave on the table in the lobby, there's Bibles as well as printed uh, Bible reading plans and all those reading plans that you see in the lobby are actually on our website as well. So if you want to print those later, if you want to view them, you can look them up on the on your phone. And so there's information on our website right on the front page uh, if you want to check those out for uh, just to, to resource you. But guys, it's been an awesome year. Can we just thank God for all that he's done in 2018? We get excited about that. Yep. I mean, even as I say that, I just think about the people that, that said yes to Jesus at the dessert theater, the people that have said yes to Jesus this entire year, and we'll, we'll continue to say yes to him because he's always on the move. But as we head into 2019, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. And all I can say is that if you've looked in your bulletin, you've probably seen some exciting news, and so I want to invite Pastor Ken to share a little bit more about the birthday gift of Jesus. All right, aren't you thanking God for all that he's done? Uh, let's just look in the bulletin. I want to just show you what God has done here uh, with our birthday gift to Jesus. So far, $109,000 has come in. Can we thank God this morning? We've exceeded the goal. God has been so good to us. We, uh, we have $83,000 worth of projects on here, and we've been praying. And I've asked you to pray. I've asked you to give, and you have. God has blessed 
and he has done great things in our church. And so thank you for putting Jesus at the top of the top of your giving list this year because it's his birthday. It's all about him. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to continue to give. Just because we've gone over the goal doesn't mean that we should stop, right? So if God has uh, burdened your heart, you say, well, I, you know, I haven't been able to give yet. I've just been so busy with Christmas or whatever. Um, you can give today. You can give next week. You can give in the next few weeks. And we'll leave this fund open. But everything that comes in will go directly out to the missionaries. So you see all the projects there. There's a few projects here, such as Jeff and Arlene Berg right here in Pittsburgh. We have a radio broadcast that uh, the Pastor John, he still sends a, a message up. And we put it on every now and then. I'll put one in there, but mostly it's Pastor John. And, and that, these things are all part of that. And it's all mission-minded. It's getting the word out, helping people to come into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to, to take this list and continue to pray over it. I meet up with people all the time. They tell me that uh, after Christmas, they save this, and it's part of their prayer journal. They try to pray over and ask God to meet the needs of the different missionaries. So I just want to ask you to continue to pray, and let's continue to give, and let's just see where God can take us. Wouldn't it be exciting what God can do? We'll just just trust him and say, okay, Lord, uh, little is much in the hand of God. So uh, if you haven't given yet, I encourage you to continue to, to pray about your part and to jump in and to give. And uh, we're going to be able to take some of those figures there, and we're going to be able to say, okay, well, that we had $83,000, and so we were planning on 6000 going to Daniel and Anna Gonzalez, and maybe we can take that up to seven or eight. And then John and Bianca and, and Panama, the Fowlers, we're going to be able to take them up another 1000 We're going to take these, the missionaries that are overseas, we're going to be able to take and give them a little bit more than what we anticipated. Can we just thank God this morning? What a great God that we serve. I want to thank you for your generosity. I want to thank you as a church. You know, you give faithfully. I, I thank you so much for your giving. And if you're uh, giving and, and need to get it in for the 2018 year for tax purposes, um, you need to be able to give today or tomorrow by 1159. You know that whole rule there. But uh, we, we appreciate what you are doing. We appreciate your faithfulness. I appreciate your faithfulness in coming. You know, God has just been so good to the church. And, uh, and you are the church. And so it's like, wow, God's just working and people's lives are being transformed. We've seen more than 50 people come to Christ this month of December. Can we just thank God for that? That's just like mind-boggling. And, uh, and, and I mean, that, that's just you know, the light. Pastor John used to say it like this. He said, the light that shines the brightest uh, starts at home. So this light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so that's what we've done. We've always tried to, to make our church about bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And that's what makes us tick. That's what makes us move here. And now we're shining brightly here, and that's shining all over the world. And think about the orphans in Haiti who are going to be encouraged, the missionary in, in, uh, in Ecuador that will be encouraged, the orphans in the Philippines that will be encouraged. And whenever, you know, just think about it. Here, here's a bunch of kids in, in Haiti that are being taught by their orphanage leaders how to pray for their next meeting. Meal. And God taps it on your heart to give. And we are able to provide that meal. Isn't that awesome? That God would touch our hearts as he's touching their hearts. And so I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. I'm, I'm, th- this makes Christmas for me. You know, Christmas is fun. I have so many traditions that I do. And uh, Christmas is one of those times of years that you lo- look back to, tradi- to some traditions. But I, I want you to know that for me, this makes Christmas. And I hope it does make yours because whenever I think about the world being impacted 
And it's, it lasts a little bit longer than an iPhone. Aren't you thankful for that, you know? Amen. Maybe you guys really like your iPhones. I'm an Android man, all right? But, uh, you know, it's just like, wow, these things are temporary. And we're able to make an impact around the world. I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. I, if you can't tell, I'm just on, on a high about that. And I hope that you are too, how good, how good God is. And let's just see what God's going to continue to do and watch him bless Next Sunday, we're going to begin a new series entitled Nehemiah. It's never too late to start a new beginning. And so I, w- I want to encourage you to be here for that. Make, uh, make your plans to be here throughout the month of January. Nehemiah is an, an interesting, uh, interesting book. And as you look through the book of Nehemiah, you'll see that, uh, that he started a new beginning for a country. And it took him 52 days. That was it. So we're going to look at our life and see what can happen in 52 days. And so let's think about the, the first 52 days of the new year and what God can be doing in your life. And, and invite a friend, share the word that, hey, it's never too late to start a new beginning, whether it's in relationships, it's in spiritual things, it's in financial things, it's at your job. It's never too late to start a new beginning. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord. I just thank you for, for the church, Lord. Thank you for the this family up here that you've allowed us to come together to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords every week, Lord. Uh, God, I thank you for the people that are downstairs caring for our children right now that are ministering and, and, and teaching them God's word. Lord, there's kids in our building right now that lives will be transformed this Sunday because somebody made a sacrifice, went downstairs, took the time to know their names, took the time to prepare a Bible verse and and feed them God's word. God, we thank you that that is happening here. We thank you that it's happening around the globe. We thank you for for our missionaries all over the world. We think of the the stewards in Ireland this morning, Lord. I I just lift them up to you as they're they're related. The Ruth Ann Slagle comes to our church, Lord. I I just thank you for for, uh, this the stewards, Lord. I thank you for uh, James Lee Tika, where Al, Pastor Al and Linda had spent many years, and, and they poured into Al and Linda, and Lord, now we're able to pour back into them in the Philippines. Uh, Lord, I'm thank, uh, thankful for Kathy Galker this morning down in Haiti, and, uh, and, and Alice and Kathy as they're ministering to 109 orphans every day of the year, Lord. I, I just pray that you will allow these gifts that we're sending to these folks, Lord, to be an encouragement, Lord. May they just see the hand of God. May they stand back and say, wow, our God is a great God, just as we have stood back and watched you provide. God, I pray you'll continue to bless your people as they give. Thank you for their faithfulness in giving to you, Lord. Uh, thank you for their faithfulness in giving to the uh, to our regular tithes and offering, and also above and beyond for the birthday gift of Jesus. And as we just watch all around the globe what you're doing, God, I just pray that you will continue to encourage us. Lord, be with Pastor Al as he uh, wraps up the series, The Thrill of Hope, this morning. And I just ask that you put your hand of blessing upon this church as we move into 2019 by your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. Hasn't been a terrific series, A Thrill of Hope. In his book, The Cradle, Cross, and Crown, Billy Graham wrote the following. During World War II, many a mother would take her son and try to keep the memory of the father who was away at war alive. One mother I heard about took her son every day into the bedroom and showed him a large portrait of his father. One day, the little boy said to his mother, wouldn't it be great? If dad could just step through the frame, that's what happened. For centuries, man had looked up into the heavens, longing for God to step out of the frame. And in Bethlehem, that's exactly what he did. Incredible and unbelievable as it is to some, Jesus Christ was a visitor from heaven itself. He was God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, we read the following. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that he had heard and seen as it had been told them. How amazed the angels must have been when they saw the creator born as a creature, the word coming as a speechless baby. One of the best commentaries on this is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you may, by his poverty, might become rich. And the best response from our hearts is wonder and worship. On this night, shepherds were doing what they always did, keeping an eye on Bethlehem's sheep through the night. But everything was about to change as heaven opened, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and declared what Jesus, that Jesus had been born nearby. Supernaturally, the first announcement of the Messiah's birth was given by an angel to some anonymous shepherds. Why shepherds? Why not the priests or the scribes? Well, by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God toward mankind. The Messiah came to be the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 14, we read, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. 
And the Messiah came to be the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 29, we read, The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Every year there are Christmas pageants and plays, including shepherds, that are dressed in robes, carrying shepherd crooks, and giving us a warm feeling of peaceful pasture land, calm and clear starry skies, and fluffy little lambs. We recently had the opportunity here at Crossroads of being able to be a part and to actually witness the best Christmas pageant ever during our dessert theater, which I believe happened to include some of the best-looking shepherds ever. But the reality for the life of the shepherd was so much different. These uneducated men who were never thought to have great importance, value, or worth, who risked their lives for the lives of the sheep and sacrificed their comfort for the security of the sheep, were most likely shepherding some of the sheep that would possibly be sacrificed a few miles down the road on Jerusalem's altar. Yet the shepherds themselves could not enter into the temple to worship, even if they wanted to. Because of their profession, they were ceremonial unclean. They were outcasts in the very worship that their hands, hard work, and watchful eyes made possible. For some reason, shepherds were not permitted to testify in court. But God used some humble shepherds to be the first human witnesses that prophecy had been fulfilled and Messiah had been born. Through this historical account of the shepherds, we're able to discover some valuable insights of how their lives were influenced and how they responded. On that ordinary turned extraordinary night, those shepherds were forever changed. And as we step into 2019 with our ordinary lives, we have the possibility of the Lord intercepting and impacting us with the extraordinary. Choose to actively listen. The shepherds heard about Jesus and went to see him for themselves. In Luke chapter 2, verse 15, we read, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds spread the word in Luke chapter 2, verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They spoke of what the angel had told them and shared their eyewitness testimony. However, those who heard what the shepherds told them were amazed, but there was no indication that they ever came to faith and believed. The message had a more powerful effect on the shepherds. They were there. They witnessed the angel. They heard the angel and they saw the heavenly host. In Luke chapter 2 verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. I don't think the shepherds just casually heard the message and thought, well, let's go check it out. I think they ran. First, they left the sheep with other shepherds because they really did care about the sheep. And then they took off. They wanted to see what God had talked about. There's definitely a difference between actively listening and passively listening. 
When we are actively listening, we're engaged in what is being said and, what, and we are processing the information that is being received. I'm sure everyone in this room has been in situations when we were listening, but we weren't really listening. There's many times when my wife will be talking to me and she'll be talking. I may be on the phone, texting. I may be Googling. I may be on the tablet. I may be watching sports, whatever's taking place. And she's talking and then finally she'll say, honey, what do you think? And I'll respond about what? And she'll say, weren't you listening to me? And of course, I say, yes, I was listening, but not really. Now that's passive listening, isn't it? The shepherds were engaged with the message that what was being delivered to them and the Lord wants us to be active listeners with a love letter that he has written for us. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we're told, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. There are two lessons we're able to learn about being an active listener or hearing well what the Lord has for us. One is something to be aware of And the other is something to actually do. Be aware not to be distracted by the quality of the messenger. Because you know what? It really is all about the message. Psalm chapter 119 verse 72 tells us, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Howard Hendricks was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary for some 50 years. He authored 16 books and for many years was a keynote speaker with Promise Keepers. He was known as prof to some 10,000 students, including Charles Swindoll, David Jeremiah, and Andy Stanley. Dr. Hendricks shared the following testimony. He said, I came from a broken home. My parents were separated before I was born, and neither one paid much attention to my spiritual condition. To put it bluntly, I could have lived, died, and gone to hell without anyone ever bothering to care. But Walt cared. Walt's passion was to reach nine and ten-year-old boys like me with the gospel. I'll never forget the Sunday morning, Saturday morning, I met him. I was sprawled out on a Philadelphia sidewalk playing marbles. Suddenly, someone was standing beside me. I looked up to see this gangly guy towering over me, all six feet, four inches of him. My mouth sort of dropped open. Hey, son, how would you like to go to Sunday school? He said. To my mind, anything that had the word school in it had to be bad news. By the way, when I was in fifth grade, my teacher had announced that I would be the most likely one to end up in prison. I shook my head and I said, no way. But what was just getting started? How would you like to play marbles, he asked, squatting down. Now he was talking my language. Sure, I replied, and quickly set up the game. As the best marble player on the block, I felt supremely confident that I could whip this challenger fairly easily. Would you believe me? He beat me in every single game. In fact, he captured every marble I had in the process though he captured my heart. I may have lost a game and a bit of pride that day, but I gained something infinitely more important, the friendship of a man who cared. Walt built into my life over the next several years in a way that marked me forever. 
In fact, he was probably the first person to really show me unconditional love. He was also a model of faithfulness. He would not be considered the teacher with the most expertise, and he had almost no training. Vocationally, he worked in the tool and die trade, but he was for real. He was so creative. Overall, Walt incarnated Christ for me, not only for me, but for 13 other boys in my neighborhood, nine of whom also came from broken homes. Remarkably, 11 of us went on to pursue careers as vocational Christian workers, which is ironic given that Walt himself completed school only through the sixth grade. Had it not been for Walt, I am not sure that I would have ever come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. You might be here today and you might think that you're more like a shepherd or a Walt than a polished witness for Christ. Remember who God trusted as the first witnesses to share his amazing story with? The shepherds. Remember who God used to impact a young boy who went on to impact tens of thousands for Jesus Christ? Walt. But we're not to be distracted by the quality of the messenger because it's all about the message. And take time to connect with what the Lord is saying and take time to think about what he is saying. That's what Mary did. Luke chapter 2, verse 19 tells us, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary pondered what she heard the shepherds say. She was taking time to think about and connect with the message the Lord was giving her. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 130, we read, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Have you ever received a package in the mail or maybe you received a gift this Christmas? It was something that came in a fairly small package. You're so excited, you opened it up and all of a sudden it just sort of ballooned. It could have been a coat, it could have been a comforter, it could have been almost anything and it just sort of comes alive and it unfolds. And then you think to yourself, I'm going to save the packaging because I'll be able to put it back in which we all know doesn't work. What you take out of that package, you can never seem to get it back into. The Bible is like that, only infinitely more so. What looks like a simple statement, when pondered, can be discovered to have multiple dimensions of meaning and endless personal applications. I personally enjoy reading the Bible through each year, but I know this much. If I reach the goal and read through the Bible... For the year, and I haven't taken time to take time with God's word, if I haven't pondered what he's put before me, I miss out. Because I miss out on what God's wanting to put into my life. I miss out on maybe some of the changes God is wanting to make in my life. I may have reached a goal, which I think is good to do, but I miss out in the process. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 19 one more time. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary not only pondered what she was hearing, but she also treasured what she heard. She was allowing it to impact her emotions and her heart. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my 
part. It is essential to allow God's work, word to sink in deep. Not just to know what is being said, but for it to impact and affect us deep inside. Some questions to think about. How would my life be different if I really believed what Jesus Christ taught? How would my thinking, my attitude, my actions, and my relationships change? Take time to ponder and treasure his word. Money, isn't it amazing? Money can come out of your account instantly when you swipe a card. You no sooner get it slid than it's gone. But life change from his word demands more than a glance with the hope it will make a difference in your life. Luke mentioned about the reading plans in the foyer. There's several different reading plans. There's even the Life Application Bibles available. As he mentioned, there's a form that has how to get to the U version on it. And what's amazing about the U version, you can not only just read it from your phone, your tablet, other devices, but it will read to you. So if you decide, I really am not in the mood to physically read, it will read to you. Choose to actively listen and choose to intentionally seek peace and make peace. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, we read, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You may think of peace as an incredible time on the beach, a day, a night, or an hour without the children running around and screaming. Maybe peace for you is just relaxing with a hot cup of coffee reading your Bible or a good book, or having your favorite drink from Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. Maybe it's just relaxing with nature on a camping trip, or hunting or fishing, or just chilling and listening to music. Maybe it's skiing on fresh powder or doing some aerials on a snowboard. The list could go on, but the list is not going to go on any further this morning. And it's for this reason, because I realize for some of you, I have now lost you in your peaceful adventure, and you may not return for the rest of the message. God declares peace as the end of enmity and warfare. The most fundamental and important peace is peace with God. The struggle for us is to be in charge of our own lives, to have things our way and to have all we can get results from a self-centered desire to command and control, leading us to conflict with others. So hostilities with God lead to hostilities with others. The Christmas carol, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, speaks volumes. God and sinners reconciled. Hostility toward God can be expressed in various ways. A person who has not come into a relationship with Christ may say, I do not need his sacrificial forgiveness I can be good enough on my own. And a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ may say, I'm going to obey the Lord and do all the right things. And because of that, he should bless me with a good life. When we do this, we are attempting to control God, not to trust him. Let's face it. Christmas is a season when you will hear the infamous words, if you are not good, You are not getting any presents. And we know the reality. The presents somehow still manage to come. Well, God's grace, not our goodness, 
merits us his favor. But that does not mean health, wealth, and me having it my way. Because he is sovereign and he is savior. Not simply a wish granter for good behavior. Begin a pathway to peace. Recognize there is conflict. You may have done things that are wrong and even the good things you have done were in attempts to be in some way your own savior. Recognize Jesus as the ultimate peace giver. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Respond by admitting your flaws, your weaknesses, your pride and control issues. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The sixth recovery principle at Celebrate Recovery is this. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends to harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. The reality is, God wants us to be on a pathway to peace. We all know the slogan, no God, no peace, or no God and no peace. Choose to actively listen. Choose to intentionally seek peace and make peace. And choose to understand you need not fear. In Luke chapter 2 verse 10, we're told, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. There will be for all the people. The shepherds were terrified, and rightly so. What they experienced that night was something that was definitely not ordinary. Not robbers, not thieves, not lions, and not bears. An angel. Anytime individuals got close to God, they were filled with anxiety and with fear. The original plan God had for man was that he would be in a perfect relationship with the loving God. And so there would be no fear. But we know that is not what took place. That perfect relationship was broken because of sin. We fear rejection and we fear failure. But if we were completely filled with God's love, we would not care what people thought. But constantly that becomes a struggle for us. What are people thinking? About three years ago, I started to struggle with a a neurologic movement disorder that became diagnosed as dystonia. And one of my first struggles was on November 24th of 2015, my eyes closed. It wasn't something that I was able to lift them open or pry them open or force them open. They were just closed. And so my wife, Linda, decided that I should wear sunglasses because who wants to see your eyes closed all the time? That makes sense, right? Well, my wife, it was around Christmas time, of course, so she said she was going to go shopping and take me with her, whether I liked it or not. And she did. The advantage for me having my eyes closed was that I wasn't able to see if somebody was looking at me. I wasn't able to see their response to me. I wasn't able to have in my mind what they might be thinking about me. And there were times where Linda would take me to the store and she would simply say, stand here, don't move and don't touch anything. 
And sometimes, I'm sure I was next to a mannequin. And it was just the two of us standing there in the store, not moving, not touching anything, and not saying anything. It seemed at times that she'd be gone for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Sometimes it felt like she was gone for hours and other times for days. In fact, there were moments where I'd wonder, would she come back to get me? But through all of that, it didn't really matter to me what people thought because I couldn't see people looking at me. God does not want us to fear rejection and failure. He created us. He loves us in an amazing way. He knows exactly who we are and he knows exactly what we're going through. And it is as amazing that so often we care more about what other people are thinking than what God is thinking. We fear the future and circumstances, but if we knew God perfectly, we would know how we can trust him and it would all be good because he is a good, good father. We fear death, but he wants us to know that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. Not I hope so, but rather I know so. First John chapter 5 verse 17, 5 verse 13 rather, reads, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. We have no need to fear because he brings to us the good news of great joy. I don't know what some of you have gone through in 2018, and I don't know what some of you are going to be going through in 2019. But I know this much. He makes us a promise we don't need to fear. He's the one who's going to bring us good news into our life. The good news is the fact that Jesus Christ, when we have him in our life, he made a promise he'll never leave us, he'll never walk away, he'll never forsake us. The good news of great joy is that he'll be there for us no matter what, through the good, through the bad, and even through the ugly. If Christ had not come, our world would be a hopeless place. If Christ had not come, our world would be lost. There'd be no access to God the Father. There'd be no atonement and payment for sin. There'd be no forgiveness and there'd be no Savior. Jesus came so you could have hope. Jesus came so you wouldn't be lost. Jesus came so you could have access to God the Father. Jesus came to pay for your sin. Jesus came to offer you forgiveness. Jesus came to be your Savior. What took place with the shepherds reminds us that grace meets you where you are and saves you knowing you can't do a thing to save yourself. Jesus came so he could shepherd you through life. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. If you're here today and you've never transferred your trust from yourself onto Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that today. He's just waiting on you. He wants to offer you his unconditional love, his forgiveness. He wants to offer himself to you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. 
And if you're here today and you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to pray with me today. And it, there are no magical words. It's just simply coming into a relationship with you. But you can pray these words with me. Jesus, I receive your amazing, unconditional love. I'm giving you my good and my bad. I need your forgiveness. Help me to trust you with my past, my present, and my future. If you prayed that prayer today, you have become one of his children. Maybe you're here today and you just have to lay your heart before him. God, we thank you for who you are, for all you've done and all you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing in response? You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're